all stand. Praise the Lord. I'm looking for a land. It's not Tennessee. And it's not South Carolina. I lived in Montana for 28 years, and it ain't Montana either. Amen. A land flowing with milk and honey. God bless you all this morning. Um, I have a prayer request. You know what, God? Prayer changes things. Sometimes it's not the way we think or as fast as we think, but you pray in faith, God will move. You believe that? Sister Meredith gave me a prayer request that says, please pray for Amanda Fralin and her family, most specifically for her daughter. She needs God to move in her heart to make the right choice. Amanda Fralin is Arvin Ward's sister and Peggy Ward's daughter. Amen. Now you know, Amanda Fralin has a friend that's looking to God for her. Each one of you are looking for your family members to move in their hearts. I am expecting today, and it doesn't end today, because we are on a journey, but we can fuel up spiritual food in due season. Let's pray. Father, I love you this morning, Lord. What can a man say, Father? Lord, when you chose us, redeemed us from the darkness, muck of this world, like that Easter lily coming up out of the mud in the pond to shine forth the beauty. Lord, the only thing good in us is what you've done, the gift you've given to us, Father. We pray that it would shine in great beauty this morning. We pray for Amanda Fralin and her family, her daughter. Lord, just that little switch in the heart, Father, to make the right choice to follow you, Lord. Pray that for my son, for every family member here, Lord. We love you this morning. We pray that you would bless the tithes and offerings, Father. Bless those that are streaming. Magnify the song service. But Lord, most of all, the greatest form of worship we pray that you would touch Brother Donnie, magnify that gift, Father, that we would all leave here fully nourished in the spiritual food of the season. I love you, Lord. I praise you. Pray that you bless the tithes and offerings in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Let's sing a little bit of Let It Rise. Amen. Amen. Let the glory of our Lord rise above us. Amen. Amen. Let the glory of our Lord rise among us. The glory of our Lord rise among us. The praises of our King rise among us. Let it rise. Let the song of our Lord say rise. Let the song of our Lord let the joy of our King rise among us. Let it rise.
fear A hand of fear gripped the crowd that day at Jairus' home When the doctor shook his head and said, she's gone You could feel that father's heartbreak You could hear them crying, Lord Their little girl was only 12 years old Somewhere in the distance Outlined against the sun There came a man on a mission From the throne They said, look, somebody's coming But what they did not know It was their promise Coming down that dusty road There's a promise coming down your dusty Turned to mocking when Jesus did speak He said your daughter's not dead She's just asleep Then he turned to the unbelievers And he told them I'll go home They heard him say Leave me and death alone Then he laid his hands Upon the child, he looked death right in the eye. He said, all power of heaven and earth belongs to me. And with the voice that sounds like thunder, he hugged death asunder. And then he said, let a child rise and be healed. There's a promise coming down your dusty road. Turned to mocking when Jesus did speak He said, your daughter, she's not dead She's just asleep And then he turned to the unbelievers And he told them all, go home They heard him say, leave me and death alone Then he laid his hands upon the child He looked death right in the eye he said, all power of heaven and earth belong to me. And with a voice that sounds like thunder, he hugged at the thunder. And then he said, little child, rise and be healed. There's a promise coming. 
down your dusty road There's a promise coming down Your dusty road Hey man, we can't let us shout by ourselves Let's stand and give the Lord some praise this morning. How many happy in the Lord this morning? Glory to the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. That's what we come here to do. Amen. To get a release this morning. Amen. How many love the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Josiah, come on, my brother. Come on. So I started to shout with you, sis. Let's give the Lord another hand. Amen. Amen.
stand, amen. Let's sing a little bit of If You're Looking to Rise. We're going to rise in the morning, amen. We ready to go now. Amen, amen. Amen. You can get the choir getting ready to come on up here, amen. Let's put our hands together.
only do I have the best musicians, it sounds like I got the best choir too. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Let's give our musicians a hand. Amen. I have the best musicians, I believe, in the message. Man, make anybody sound good. Amen. 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 Let's sing a little bit above all power. Amen. Let's just stand and worship for a few minutes. Give G. Above all power, above all kings, above all nature and all created things. Let's get a Lord away from Above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before. for many of us we've been singing about this love and talking about it for decades of our lives and it still so moves us when we think about it we want you to know how much we love you today 
It's not a marvel that I could love you, but how could you love me? And I know when you look at me, you look at these people here today, it's not so much our old humanity that you love, but it's that part of yourself. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Dear God, I pray today that you would help us, that we would be able to walk out of this building today and after these meetings, hopefully something's been said that'll help each of us to be better, better equipped, better people, better Christians. We know there's not much time left for the last seed to be illuminated. I'm reminded of the words of your prophet as he said it down in Tampa in 1964. And he said, we wonder why things aren't moving along. And he said, maybe it's like this. There's a little girl or a little boy that was born over in Seattle, Washington. That book holds their name. The church will slug along, play along, have meetings and so forth until that child is old enough to receive it. That's how much you love one of yours, Father. You can't take the 99 and leave one. You've got to take all your seed home. Lord, if there's one here today that's not ready, one that's maybe saved and just not filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you get your children ready, Lord, so we can leave this place? We ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, take your word and speak to us. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. I want to say it's been such a privilege for Carol and myself and our two oldest granddaughters, Ashley and Courtney, got to come down and be with us on this trip. And we've certainly enjoyed being here. Uh, been an opportunity. I always enjoy being with Brother, Brother Jason. Don't get to see him that much anymore. We're all so busy. Everybody's got so much going on. But counted a great privilege to be able to be with the saints of God. I know of no higher honor than to be able to speak to the queen of heaven. It's a great privilege to be able to do that. I'd like to ask you if you'd be remembering our, our daughter Erica. She'll be going down Wednesday uh, to Nashville and then be taking another one of these treatments that they're giving her. And uh, it's a very serious th thing that they do. It's called Lutathera. They bring it out on a cart in a lead case because it's so radioactive. After she takes it, she remains radioactive for 30 days. Her daughters can't be around her for several, several days uh, because it could affect them being girls. Um, she certainly needs prayer. And we're believing the Lord. We serve a mighty God, don't we? Amen. So if you would, I know you have so much to pray about as we all do in this day, but if you just uh, remember her, we certainly would appreciate it. And I know you have. I know it's not something that you'll just start doing. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. 
and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Keep your Bible there if you would and read with me in verse 38. He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth a tumult. And them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado? And weep. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. I want to ask you, if you would have been in that scenario, what would you have thought about this statement and this man who made this statement? So say it was your daughter or your niece or somebody in the church family, somebody that you knew, one of your friends, and you walk in and there the child is dead. It's evident. There's no breath. There's no respiration. There's no heart rate. There's absolutely nothing at all. And in walks this guy, which has a very strange reputation among the people. He's thought of to be a very, very odd individual. And he says, hey, don't y'all cry. Everything's good. It's okay. She is not dead. Well, you're saying everything that you know about death testifies that she is dead. There's nothing about life looking at her. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, he's using two two streams of language. He's using his divine language, but he also is using the earthly language. And this is where it can become tricky sometimes. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth into where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Telise kuma, which is being interpreted. Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. She, She was at the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Now, I'd like to speak to you this morning on just a simple thought. He proves his word. Now, he had said to Jarius that if you will believe, you'll see God do something in your home. Now, that was the word of God. And yet, when he got to the house and it seemed that uh, what he had said, there's no way for it to come to pass. But the word had already been spoken. So now... He must act on that word and prove his word. Now, there's a certain element of the word as we've looked at in the two prior services that believers will not fulfill. There are certain scriptures I have no desire whatsoever to fulfill. Believers about infidels, scriptures about infidels make lukewarm people, people that liars, that don't pertain to me at all. You understand. There are scriptures that say there's going to come a great falling away. I have no desire whatsoever to fulfill that scripture. But yet there are scriptures that are written about us. 
Now, there are certain scriptures that we cannot fulfill and we never will fulfill because they do not pertain to us. Then on the other side of that, there are scriptures that unbelievers make believers, infidels, agnostics. They can never fulfill because they are written about us. So what I want to do myself is find that which is written about me and let God fulfill that portion in my life. And there's scriptures, no doubt, that you will fulfill. Maybe there's brothers, my goodness, in the ministry. I, I feel just absolutely so small and so little trying to even preach in front of them because they're great servants of God that God has used. But yet I know at the same time I can't take their place and they can't take mine. So God will use me in a certain way that maybe he wouldn't use them and vice versa. And once we see that, there's really no room for jealousy and all that sort of thing. So we just be what God has made each of us and then we all coalesce together and we work to accomplish exactly what God wants. When we do that, we root out you know, all this jealousy, whether it's among preachers and musicians or singers or whatever more. And we know that God allocates his gifts and he allocates them in sizes according to that which pleases him. So after all, if I give you a dollar, if I give you five, I give you 20, I give you a hundred, I give my wife a thousand. <laughs> you notice how I worded that, right? And so if I do that, you know, it's actually was mine to give. So you're going to tell me I'm unjust because I give her a thousand or gave you 50 cents? Well, you know, that's just the way that it works because it was mine to give. Uh, we, we bought clothes for our granddaughters for years and years now because we got three sets of twin granddaughters. So whenever we go to Ross and we go to TJ Maxx, and it'll always be, you know, it was little girls' dresses and little girls' shoes and little girls' this. And there was a lady one time at the TJ Maxx at home and she said, sir, don't you ever get anything? Don't you ever get anything because she just kept noticing Carol was buying these little dresses and then Carol would find her something. And I said, ma'am, we made this agreement, you know, 40 some years ago, be 48 this July, whenever we got married and we, we made this agreement that everything, or 50 will be, everything is going to be 50-50 between me and Carol, my wife. That is, I get 50 cents, she gets $50. 50 dollars 50 50 Ah, some of you sisters really like that statement, don't you? <laughs> Sister Debbie said amen. <laughs> so you see, God is the one who has all these gifts, and he's the one who gives them out. But each one of us should desire to be able to find what the Lord wants us to be. Is that right? And when we do that, then we're able to receive what Paul said, that they compare themselves among themselves are not wise. So the worst thing we can do is to be able to compare even our walk, even our element of faith. You know what I'm saying? There's certain people that just seem like they are so gifted in faith. They just have such ability, and they can just look at the promise of God. It makes no difference what it is. And others seem like they struggle with faith. And Satan will try to take that and say, oh, you're not as good a Christian. Well, maybe you've got a strong point in another avenue that that person that has the strong faith, they don't have. You understand? You look at it that God puts all this into the body by measures, and then this is why it's evident that we need one another. There is no preacher that is complete and has the total understanding 
of everything in this word. We need each other and we actually complement each other. Is that right? So God knows exactly what we're doing and want to be able to make the body of God work effectually. As Paul says in Ephesians, that each one, each joint would supply and bring forth the effectual working of the body. Now, we know, of course, that the Lord Jesus, when he was here, that he had the entire ocean, for he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I might have a little dropper full, and you might have three, and Brother Jason might have five, and you know, all the rest of you have your little portion, but the Lord Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead head bodily. So he would be able to cover aspects by which none of us would ever do. But what I also marvel about is that if the Lord Jesus would have healed everybody in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the areas of Galilee, there would have been no sick folk for his disciples to heal. So I wonder how many that the Lord Jesus walked by in the, in the Capernaum synagogue and other places. I wonder the man that laid there crippled whenever the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that the apostles walked through there and they saw this man laying there. He'd been laying there for a long time. I personally believe myself that the Lord Jesus left that man there for his boys to take care of later. Now think of it, no doubt the Lord Jesus walked by many of those people, but he wanted a work left behind for the ministry that was going to continue on whenever he was gone. He does the same thing today. So here we find that God is now going to prove his word. I love the way Brother Benham deals with this and that makes it kind of sad in one way for the unbelievers. But he said in proving his word, in paragraph 108, he proves his word in every age by the most unusual way. But he always does it in the same way, see? What he does in the days of Noah when he's fixing to deliver the remnant, he sent them Noah, the prophet, he sent Noah a sign. So God used Noah and part of his family to prove his word. But yet he used the unbelievers to prove the other side of that word that he was gonna send a flood. He never actually sent the waters to drown Noah, but he sent the waters to save Noah. So what God did was God gave Noah the perimeter, the size, the specs, and all that sort of thing to build a boat. Now, can you imagine this man is building a boat and we have no, no record, no history that Noah ever built a boat before. As a matter of fact, his occupation was a farmer. This took a lot of faith, if you don't mind me saying it this way, to step on a boat built by a farmer. That was not a carpenter. <laughs> but yet God believed that Noah could build this boat. Now, I want you to also notice that God never gave Noah any uh, remedies, any type of layout, any types of plans to build a trailer for this boat. And the reason was God was gonna bring the water to the boat and Noah wouldn't have to take the boat to the water. Now you see, we know according to what Brother Bram said that there was other boats that were being built in that day. So no doubt some of them saw Noah and they said, well, you know what, if he can build a boat, we're professional boat builders. So we'll build one just in case this old man's got something from God. So when these other boats were built, they become actually a temptation for people not to go to the one God ordained. 
You see, that's where we have to be so careful. And I, I find it amazing, Brother Jason, that Brother Ram says it about God's provided place of worship that God actually allows these other gates to be there. And he said, we'll find out in a little while while they are there that God allows those gates, those places of worship to be put there as a temptation to you. Oh, I know that staggers people. But you see, God, if there's only one boat in the land, where do you figure most people wouldn't went when it started raining? But when it first started raining, can you imagine some of them people that never seen rain before, never heard it before, but it starts dripping and coming down, and what do some of them do? Well, they head over there because that guy's a boat builder. They head over here. This guy's an architect. They head over there. And by doing all of that, it actually hindered them in the final phase of the third pull from coming to the only boat that was God-blessed and God-ordained. There are churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, churches, brides, brides, but there's one that's gonna come that has both mechanics and dynamics. Certainly, your little small community here, your little town, no doubt you passed churches to come to this one today, did you not? And no doubt you might have even passed some message churches along the way. And Satan has done this for countless of years because he knows that it confuses the mind of the unlearned. So if God is gonna do something, Satan will impersonate it. But God never ordained not one of those other boats. And when the flood came, every one of them sank. So if I was you, I'd try to find God's boat for the hour. Now folks are jumping out of this message boat right and left. Well, if that's what they wish to do, that's up to them. But this is the only one that's ordained by God according to Malachi 4. So for me and my house, we're staying in the boat. Well, praise the Lord. What about it? For me and my house, I'm staying in this boat. Now, we know that God then has this pattern that he starts and he will allocate a certain portion of his word and he doesn't always make it known, of course, when he speaks the prophetic utterance from the prophet's mouth that he will associate this man, this woman with that word, but God will sow the seed and then the time will roll around and there'll be somebody that will raise up that has an anointing that actually moves on the word. Now, I know you know this because you got great preachers here, but in the beginning, God divided the Logos. He separated the Logos from the anointing. Now listen to me carefully. That the anointing was separated. You know, Jesus said, a man that will obey in my words and will keep my words. He said, I and the Father will make ourselves known to him. Now that's not two gods and it's not an old man and a young man. But it's actually the Father, which is the Spirit, and the Son, which is the Word. So he said, we will come to him. Now, you notice what God did, that God separated the word from the anointing. If not, then Satan would have been able to have the Bible and he would have access to all the power of God if the anointing and the word were all united in page form. So God had the word written, had the word spoken, and then God separated the anointing and the anointing of the age would come on the word for the age and that's what makes it live and quickens it to the believer. 
Is that right? So if not, then every devil out of hell, all they'd have to do is get themselves a Bible, go to a Bible bookstore, order one on Amazon, and they would have everything they would need themselves. So demons would be able to use the word of God. So God separated the Logos, the word, from the anointing, and then in every age, God would bring the anointing for that age and line it up with the word of that age, and the believers of that age become the word made manifest. Well, I ain't too smart, but that makes a lot of sense to me. In every age, it's been exactly the same story. And here we are in the last age, and we know that God has certain scriptures that are ordained to be fulfilled, and Moses could not fulfill them. That's your spot in this hour that we're living. So God always uses humans to fulfill his word. Now, well, again, the prophet, when he brings this, he goes down through different dispensations. And this next one that he refers to is Joshua and Caleb. Now, we know that these two men were great, great men anointed under the ministry of Moses. But yet God never allowed Moses to take them over. But he's going to have Joshua, Yahshua, which is Jehovah's Savior. And we know that Caleb was his side buddy as Brother Branham called him. Now, those of you that are familiar with the history of Caleb, I actually love it because he was not actually a Hebrew, but Caleb was the son of Jephani, which was a Kenizzite. Now, the Kenizzites were of the tribal uh, lineage of, of, of not from the Jews, not from the Hebrews at all. But the Kenizzites come from the opposite side over there, which supposedly were unbelievers and infidels. But yet God called this man Caleb. I mean, knows what the name Caleb means? Nobody. Oh, my goodness. Dog. Dog. Uh-huh. So Caleb being a dog, Gentile. But once you notice that they did not make a special tribe for the converts of the Gentiles that would embrace Judaism. But the Bible tells us that God gave him, Caleb, an inheritance among the tribe of Judah. Not that he was born in the tribe of Judah. Well, that's a good tribe to put a Gentile into because Judah is praise. And buddy, if anybody's gonna praise the Lord, it's gonna be us former Gentile dogs because we realize we're not deserving of his mercy and his grace. Now, what's amazing is also that Ruth the Moabitess merged into this same tribe and Rahab also merged into this same tribe. So, and it shouldn't be amazing to you then that out of that same tribe would come the lineage, the human lineage of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, you know, the Lord Jesus would have never been allowed to even enter into the temple of God in the New Testament. Jesus never preached in the temple. He would have never been allowed to go into there because he was not of what they thought was the right lineage. Jesus only preached in synagogues, never in the temple. Isn't that amazing? Here is God himself, but they would have never allowed God himself into their temple because he didn't match up to their idea. Oh my goodness. But yet God chose Joshua and Caleb to fulfill a certain part 
of his word. Notice he said where Joshua had led them there now, Jordan gets real low. You can wade across almost anywhere around unless you hit a hole of water where it's pretty deep where all the little fords and things right there, all the banks where Jericho was at, you can make way to cross it. Isn't much over ankle deep. Now notice this, ankle deep. Just drive across it in a Jeep, drive across it, walk across it. But he led them there in the time of April when the flooded country was flooded for almost a mile. Isn't it amazing how God will pick the route for his children to journey? Now, God, if he would have synchronized this in the certain time with nature, they could have pretty much just walked across it. I've been there at the Jordan not long ago myself, and it's not that deep of a place still yet to this day. But yet God synchronized it so they would not go according to nature, but actually contrary to it. That God supernaturally would have to intervene and make nature comply to him instead of allowing his children to comply to nature. Watch what he said. Oh, glory. I, I love this. He says, God said so. Call the people together, testify for them. He said, the third day you're passing over Jordan. See how God lets things happen just to make people, just to pull out his little crowd. What did they do? They sanctified themselves and they got ready. Oh, my. Think of what a time it must have been when they looked at Joshua and said, and you're the pastor of this church. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You sure don't know too much about weather. You sure don't do much about leading God's people. It's the very worst time of the year. The River Jordan is a mile wide. When they would come down through there and the floods and the wadis would all empty down and the melting of the snow from Mount Hermon and it would empty out and all this and you're looking out there and it's a, a mile wide and you chose, you say you're a man of God. You say you're a man that's called of God to lead these people. Boy, where do you get your weather from? Where are you getting your report? It looks like to me we've got a poor excuse for a leader. Sometimes God will lead his leaders in ways that's absolutely contrary to their own human perception. God will lead them to preach things and do things and even take the church in a direction that they are battling within themselves to even do it, but they feel the impulse of the Holy Ghost and they're afraid to disobey that. You know, God don't always make it known to the leaders but yet they feel that leading of the Holy Spirit and they will look back and say, man, I'll tell you, I was sweating bullets on that move. I was sweating bullets but it turned out to be the Spirit of God. Why would God do that? Because he wants every leader to know it's him leading the way. It ain't me, it ain't him, it ain't these other brothers. God wants men that can be led of the Holy Ghost. Notice he said, no matter how close you are to Jordan, no matter what your circumstances is, if you could only hold that promise of God in your heart, God will prove it, that it's so. In the midst of unbelief, he'll still prove that it is so. And we know exactly did that. And of course, Caleb, being this Gentile dog, the Kenizzite, uh, the son of Jephunneh, when he come down, when they started in the north part of the country, and then they started driving the land out, they were moving northward, eastward, and westward. And whenever they did, they drove out the giants. But by the time they come back, and they say the book of Joshua was written in about a 27-year span, so by the time they come around from the north and come back down into the valley, and he He's fixing to receive his inheritance. Guess what happened? The giants that they drove out had moved back in. 
Now here they've got to take that mountain again. Now Caleb has added 40 years to his age. He's added all kinds of scars, all types of battles. And now he's got to come back, but he said, I'm just as able today as I was 40 years ago when God's prophet gave me this mountain. And what was Caleb's identity? Well, I'm about ready to go on social security. I got my AARP card. I guess I'll just kind of slow down and I'll let you young guys take it. Oh, I can hear it down through there. My goodness, as they'd make camp in the wadis and they'd sit down. I can hear this sound going on. People saying, what in the world? Oh, don't worry about it. It's Uncle Caleb. He's just over sharpening his sword. You imagine he had a sword about that long 40 years prior to that and when he come back down, it's about this long. But buddy, it was sharp. <laughs> Why? Because God was going to prove his word through Caleb. I wonder, are there any Caleb's here today that'll say, Lord God, prove your word through me. <laughs> oh my. If you won't get weak now in faith. Notice God proved his word to Job. As we looked at it last night, God told the devil, before the trial ever began, I've got a man that'll love me. I've got a man that'll serve me in spite of everything that you do. It took about a year. They say the book of Job covers a span of about a year. It took a lot of trials. It took a lot of tests. But the word of God was proved exactly by Job. How many wants to be that kind of believer today? <laughs> Proving his word, paragraph 112. Oh, God likes to prove himself to be God. How many wants a testimony in serving the Lord? Let's dissect that word. T-E-S-T-I-M-O-N-Y. Test, I'm only. And groany and complaining. Isn't it amazing? We want a tremendous testimony. But we don't really want test. Praise the Lord. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if God would have just emailed you some tremendous testimony? God would have WhatsApped it to you, and there you go, and there it is, just laid it out. Oh, you're like, wow, what a God, that is, that is great. I mean, that is great. And God said, how many wants a testimony? Oh, my, all y'all's hands went up. How many wants a test? You don't see mine up either, do you? I don't see that guy's up either. Judges chapter 16, verse two. And was told to the Gazites saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city. And were quiet all the night saying in the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city. And the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. Carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron, which is 20 miles away. I don't mind telling you, 
I'm not sure I'm man enough to pack a door that size 20 miles. <laughs> Much less doors like this. I don't know if you know it or not, but these gates in the ancient times were called the gates of hell. Don't you understand what God was doing? God was not only going to do a great thing through Samson, but Samson was prophesying of one day a mighty conqueror would come to the earth and he would take the gates of hell. Hallelujah! He would take the gates of hell and rip them up. Oh, aren't you glad we're sitting here today serving a mighty conqueror who took the gates of hell and when he raised up, he said, I am he that was dead, but I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah. And I have got the key of death and hell and the grave. I want to let you know today, the devil don't even have the keys to his own house. Amen, the Lord Jesus has conquered him and he's still doing it now. If he can find somebody in Bethel Tabernacle that he can use to prove his word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some Bible scholars say that the city gates and the post of Gaza which he tore down, computed to be, listen to this, between 10 to 20,000 pounds. Don't get a Hercules symbol now in your mind. Don't look this brother back here and think, wow, man, that must be a big guy. No, he's a little bitty old guy, about four foot. That's what the prophet said Samson was. About four foot, little curly-headed shrimp. Little mama's boy. Oh my goodness. But God had a word to prove. Oh, glory to God. God had a word to prove. The angel of the Lord of Manoah and his wife, whenever the Lord began to say about him, don't you drink no wine, don't you do this, don't you, that's speaking to his wife, because I'm gonna bring forth a son. That was a word from God. Well, you say, if I only had that word, let me tell you one thing. Every one of you predestinated seats sitting here today are a spoken word from God. God thought of you, God spoke you. As a matter of fact, the prophet of God said, God called your name in his pains before the foundation of the world. There ain't enough devils in hell. There ain't enough tribulation. There ain't enough sorrow to stop you from serving God because you are the spoken word. So Samson takes off of this 10 to 20,000 I mean, give or take a thousand. What difference does it make that make when you're talking about this kind of weight? 20 miles, and Hebron is an elevation of 3,200 feet higher than where he was, so he's carrying it uphill all the way. A lot of us Christians are downhill Christians. But this is real Christianity. Uphill all the way. 
but I'm crying higher. I'm going higher with the gates of Gaza. I'm on my way. Oh, look out, devil. I say, look out, devil. By the grace of God and the power of God, I'm on my way. These gates were 10 feet tall. Ten feet wide. And this was the chief city of the Gazites. Don't, don't pick a little village somewhere. Tackle the whole thing. One man against thousands. I mean, I know the odds still wasn't fair. I mean, against them. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. If you and I could only see who we are today and you look around in those worlds and say, oh, Lord, I'm outnumbered. No, you're not. There's more with us than there are with them. Hallelujah. The odds are definitely against hell. The odds are definitely against the devil. Your destiny has already been determined. You are going to make it. Notice this, in the identification of Christ, the prophet said a prophet he was, but he was more than a prophet. He was a prophet plus. Talking about Jesus. He said they had many prophets. All prophets died at the gate of death. But this man took the keys, death, hell, and the grave. Like Samson did the gates of Gaza. He took it out and he took the sting out of death itself and swallowed up in victory. Now listen to this and watch him break now from him to you. Makes his believers more than conquerors. It's already conquered. There's nothing left to do but walk straight in with the victor's song in our hearts. He is the triumphant one and this great one was more than a prophet. Oh, he loves to prove his word. Read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 4. Little David. And there went out a champion. Ooh. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. And the word Goliath means splendor. Well, that's what Satan likes to put in front of your past this strong enemy and you're just a little weakling sort of a guy. If he can switch you by strategy to make you think you are powerless. And the prophet said, Satan has one, 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 only one. He has one weapon. That is to make you doubt your weapon. He don't have power. It's not that he has power to be able to do this and that and the other against you. No, it is simply manipulation. If he can get you, we know what propaganda is. It's being used around the world. Why do you think that Putin has been using the nuclear word and then we use the nuclear word and then this one, what is a lot of it? It's nothing but brandishing their sword. I've got news for Mr. Putin. 
He may have every intention of blowing us off the map, but it's not him that's in control of my destiny. I've got news for Russia. I've got news for all the rest of the world. Oh, Brother Donnie, if you got a bomb shelter? I sure do. What, brother, what material did you use? Is it titanium? Is it concrete? It's feathers. I said it's feathers. I'm under the feathers. Oh, glory to God of my heavenly papa. And he's watching over me. I ain't afraid of Putin. I ain't afraid of Russia. I ain't even afraid of death. Hallelujah. Russia has built themselves a super stealth bomber. Faster more invisible than our F-35s, our F-22s, and they named it the messenger. The messenger. They've got their missiles with warheads on them that can travel at hypersonic speeds. We don't even have one yet. As a matter of fact, the last one we tried a couple of months ago fizzled out in the water. Brother Don, don't that scare you? Not in the least. <laughs> I know some of y'all think I'm crazy. I'm gonna go ahead and confirm it for you today. I am. I'm absolutely out of my mind. And I am so glad that I'm out of my mind. I just wish some of you would join and get out of yours. Amen. No telling what the Lord could do right here for us this morning. If we lay aside our fear, lay aside all the scare of the world and say, Lord God, you're still the almighty. You're still the all powerful. So here comes a champion. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. You imagine him, God said, good Lord. Have you ever seen such eyeballs on a man in your life? Six cubits and a span, which would equal, equal nine feet and nine inches tall. Nine feet and nine inches. That's taller than your ceiling. <laughs> and he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. So his helmet weighed 30 pounds. So can you imagine a helmet weighing 30 pounds? Boy, as puny as I am, I just... <laughs> Notice in verse six, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. So when he wore the bronze helmet and a coat of scale armor weighing 5,000 shekels, that would have been 125 pounds just for that. And he had a long spear which had a bronze javelin, which had a 15 pound iron tip. And all his armor would have weighed in the neighborhood of 200 pounds. That's more than I weigh. Imagine this old boy getting up of the morning. He's like, he was probably so cantankerous and contrary. He couldn't get along with the devil. Putting all that stuff on that hot weather down there, hotter in South Carolina. Lord have mercy. 
you imagine he felt like a cooked lobster inside that thing sometime? That old hot metal and that sun shining on top of it, that certainly didn't add to his attitude, did it? I'm afraid that's the way we are sometimes. We're so affected by the things around us. You know why? We spend too much time on Facebook. We spend too much time on Instagram. I think we'd be better off if we kept our face in his book. Well, hallelujah, instead of Facebook and keeping a bunch of gossip going all the time, let's feed on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man so our bodies can be ready to be changed. The spear, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. I love the way Brother Random describes this, a great big giant like that walking with a weaver's needle which is claimed to be around 20 feet. He could stand from right here and just pick you all off like flies. You couldn't even get close to him. Well, you think the devil don't like to do that to you? When you go to the doctor and you get a little pain and that doctor will pull a scan up and say, oh my goodness, sir, I hate to tell you, but you've got a tumor. You've got this, that, and other, and Satan wants you to look at that instead of looking at your promise. Oh yeah, get your eyes on that pain, get your eyes on this and that and the other. When doctors themselves will tell you, Erica's doctors told her over and over again, keep the right attitude, keep the right attitude. The prophet of God was saying this years and years ago before the, the, the psychologists of this day ever broke into it, saying that whenever people say they've got cancer, he said for a great percentage of them right then, they're already dead. But he said, if you believe God and if you had cancer, you wouldn't be in too bad of a shape if you'd believe his word. Can you imagine a doctor telling you that? Why? Because the words that you feed on, the articles that you read, oh, everybody's got Dr. Google on their computer anymore or on their phone anymore. We ought to consult Dr. God instead of Dr. Google. He had a 20-foot spear in his hand. A man like that could stand there and pick up a dozen men and throw them like that. And he stood there and cried into the armies of Israel. Samuel goes on to say, and said unto them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose you a man. Let him come down and fight me. A non-armored Goliath would weigh in the proximity of 760 pounds. That's a good-sized cow. <laughs> you imagine a man standing there, 760 pounds? Adding the weight of his armor, that would have made him around 885 pounds. With his shield and his spear, which was not tallied up in the 125, that would put him right at a thousand. And you, little tiny shrimp, you're gonna go out there and meet that man? He had made that challenge day after day after day. But one day that challenge fell across the ears of the wrong guy. I guess it depends on how you look at it. He's either the wrong guy or the right guy. Sometimes the right guy is the wrong guy and sometimes the wrong guy is the right guy. Ain't that right? This little guy heard it. He said, what? What? You mean to tell me 
Got out and watch him, little holy roller, little all wired up, you know, just for glory to God. Hallelujah. took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones. I stood in this valley of Elah a couple of years ago. Quite an awesome feeling too, just being there. You look over to your right, which is where the people of God were, over to your left in a higher place where these folks were. Right down in the valley was a dry creek bed Parts of it was about this deep. I got down to the bottom of some of the other saints walking out through there. What was you looking for? Of course, five smooth stones. <laughs> I know that I was going to preach this. I brought one of them with me too. It always has more emphasis when you pull that rock out from the Valley of Elah. <laughs> I thought, what an honor. What an honor to stand down here and walk. And then I thought, well, glory to God. Here's another little David down here where the other little David was. Don't you want to have that kind of reputation where you can say, glory to God, I am a giant slayer. I am a cancer conqueror. I am a pornography conqueror. I am a lust conqueror. I am a Laodicean conqueror. Look out, devil, here we come in the name of Jesus because God will fulfill his word in our lives. So he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. David was willing only to fight with the weapons that he knew. Glory to God. Did you ever notice, I'm sure you have, that whenever David got called before Saul, and Dr. Saul, of course, wanted to give him a doctor's degree and a PhD degree and all that sort of thing, and David said, I ain't never used such thing. But I want you to notice what David done. David began to testify of previous victories that God had done for him. Why? Because testifying about it. Now, I know it may seem strange to you, but the prophet said whenever you take God at his word, he said, take that word and start saying it over and over and over again until you believe it. Wow, you mean sometimes we don't. Let's just be honest and face the facts. Sometimes we'll start quoting the word and we really don't believe it yet. But the key is for you to be able to hear yourself say it. And you said, I am healed, I am healed, I am healed, I am delivered, I am an overcomer, I am gonna put this devil under my feet. Why, there's something about you hearing yourself quote God's word. I've got an app on my phone where I can take affirmations of God's scriptures and record them in my own voice. Donnie, you're more than a conqueror. Donnie, you're going in the rapture. The millennium is for me. Heaven is mine. And then I can play them over and over again. It's good to hear the preacher say it, but there's a lot of power when you hear yourself say it. So here's the battlefield. So here comes this guy. Boom, boom. Sweating worse than I am, if you can imagine that. This guy feels like he's toasting a microwave. 
Man, he's burning up. He's wore out. He's cantankerous. He's mad. He didn't get his coffee. He didn't get his toast and jelly for breakfast that morning. And here he comes. I said, you got to be kidding me. You mean I got out of bed for that? He may look at you the same way sometimes. But he'll look at you different when you take his sword and remove his head. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David and the man that bare the shield went before him and the Philistine looked about and saw David. He disdained him. Look at the meaning of the word. To despise, hold in contempt, to be despicable, to be vile and worthless. Isn't that what he tries to do to us? For he was but of use and ready, which means he was cute. <laughs> oh, boy. This really adds to the thing of a, of a great a giant killer, don't it? I mean, he ain't got no scars yet. He comes out with this ready, which was red, kind of a complexion, you know, red-looking complexion. And he was, must have been an odd Israelite to begin with. And uh, here he come out there. There are no scars all over him, nothing anywhere. But he couldn't even hardly stand still. Glory to God, let me at him. Let me at him. Let me at him. Somebody tell me. Somebody point me in that direction. His brother saying, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, David. You're just being a little smart at it. No, he was anointed. He couldn't help it. It wasn't David that wanted to do this. They, oh, Lord God, brother Jason, David walked right into the anointing. It was a giant slaying anointing. David couldn't help you have walked into the anointing of this hour. We can't do it on our own, but we can't turn back. We've walked right into our anointing. Oh, Lord. Now remember, David is a teenager. A teenager. What's verse 43? And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog? David could have said, You said it. <laughs> that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines say to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I am come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. You see, David was not a Trinitarian. He didn't come in the name of God's. I come to thee in the name of Beshim. Beshim, which is the ineffable. The ineffable. It's so great, you can't even pronounce it. It's so majestic, 
He didn't mention his slang. He didn't mention his stones. Amen. Or did he mention the name? The name, Bashim, Bashim, I come to you in the ineffable name because in that ineffable name is everything I need. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, every disease, every sickness, every trauma, he can be subject to the name of Jesus Christ. What Goliath expected from his arms and his equipment, David expected more so from the ineffable name. It was so great he couldn't even pronounce it. But he said, all I know is there's such power in it. All I've got to do is utter the synonym. You know, they consider the name of God so sacred. You look on many Jewish websites even to this very day and they will put G, leave out the Z or the O and put D, G-D, because they think it's too great to pronounce it. And David said, I don't come to you with a lot of education. I don't come to you with a lot of experience, but I come to you in the name, in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. He said, as a matter of fact, it's a great, I can't even express it. Well, you know, this must have just added to the lunacy of what Goliath thought. This poor little kid, they went over to the insane place and they picked up this guy and now he's so great, he came to tell me the name of his God. Poor little fellow, I mean, look at him. He's just a little old sunburnt looking guy with maybe freckles all over his face. Ain't never been in a battle in his life. Oh, well, that's yet to be seen, ain't it? He didn't know about the lion. He didn't know about the bear. (laughs) Notice what David said. This day was the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Will the Lord deliver thee? I'm sure you've looked at it before, but isn't it quite amazing whenever the spies go down to the land of Jericho and they go to talking to Rahab the harlot and Rahab the harlot begins to mention this secret name of God. And she said, we know, we know that the Lord, not capital L, little O, little R, little D, That was a word used among the Ammonites, the Amorites, the Hittites, all the Jebusites. But how did she know this name which only Abraham and his seed knew? (laughs) Just something you think about. Notice, and the Lord will deliver thee into my hand and I will smite thee. Now you imagine by now it's about 110 in the shade. And this guy feels like a cooked onion in a microwave. And he says, I'll tell you one thing. I am getting sick and tired of your mouth. I'm fixing to wipe you out. Okay? You hear me, little boy, little brat? You're dead meat. David said, don't interrupt my sermon. Not only will I kill you, I will take your head from you and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air. Lord, have mercy. How can a teenager make such a challenge? How can a teenager say such a word? So now he's moved beyond Goliath himself. He said, just a matter of fact, just to let you know, I'm gonna kill the whole bunch of you. Hallelujah. I'm gonna take on the whole army. Yeah. 
That's about the way you feel when the anointing gets on you. That's the way I feel right now. Ask me how I feel in about 30 minutes from now. Don't you understand? It'll be this and even greater that'll come over us one day. The prophet called it a sweep. He said, you'll look and you'll see your loved ones and you know it won't be long. And a sweep will come over you. A sweep, isn't that a peculiar word to use for the body change? But you see, it's not peculiar to the bride because the Lord Jesus used that same parable and one of the parables of the gospels whenever he said that the one of the bride and all of them speaking about redemption, of course, in Luke 16, and whenever they dropped the coins and they lost this and that. And how did that bride find those coins? Sweeping. Only the swept will be swept away. Only the sweepers will be swept away. Why? We're used to sweeping. We're used to having our lives cleaned out by anointed men of God, aren't we? We're used to, and we get a little dust in this corner and a little something lost in that corner and God anoints these men and they drag out the broom. Boy, they go to sweeping everything out of it and we say, well, glory to God, the rapture is the final phase of me being swept. And one of these days, I'm gonna be swept out of this world in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Notice why David's going to do this. I'll feed you all to the fowls of the air, to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Not that all the world may know I'm this great psalmist. I'm this great person. I'm this great preacher. I'm this great lovely. No. He knew his purpose. His purpose was to manifest the name of God. His purpose was to fulfill God's word for that hour. Do you understand your purpose, brother, sister? And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David realized he'd made a terrible mistake and took off running the other way. And David hasted and ran toward the army. Lord, have mercy. You see, the longer you take and the slower you look, the bigger them circumstances become. Sometimes you're better off just to go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Look out, devil, look out, devil. God, I come in the end of this thing to your hand. Look out, devil, here I come. But we think, oh my goodness. Let me get my range finder scope out here now. Good Lord. According to that with the ballistics and the wind, there ain't no way in the world that swing shall ever take that guy down. But he had stepped into an anointing. He couldn't understand. Why? That word was hanging in the valley of Elah and it had David's name wrote all over it. You imagine his brother saying, good Lord, look at them eyeballs. Look at them eyelashes. That God didn't need a ceiling fan. All he had to do was just bat his eyes. Had his own personal built-in ceiling fan. And they say, Lord, have mercy. 
How in the world would you ever bring a man down like that? And David look at and say, good God Almighty. A target that big? How could you ever miss it? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. A target as rotten as the devil. How is it you can't overcome it? <sighs> so David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. All right, Philistine, here we come. And David put his hand in his bag and thence took out a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk. Have you ever seen a hypersonic rock before? Sunk in his forehead. I want you to notice how he fell. And he fell upon his face. God made him bow. According to the power of this rock, moving at a thousand miles faster than you can even imagine. I'll read it to you in a minute how fast it's going. According to that velocity, your brother said, hunt, know how it is. According to when you're rifle hunting and you take that bullet according to the speed that comes out of the muzzle and whenever it hits that animal, it will just, ah! They don't go forwards. The velocity knocks them back. But God must have orchestrated where he tripped that big guy when the angels down there just kind of got in the way. He said, you ain't falling backwards. You're bowing before my servant. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you fall backwards, devil. But I will lay you before kings. I will lay you. Bow, devil. Bow, devil. The prophet said he picked up these five stones while this great big boasting infidel walking out there and cursed him in the name of his idol. Cursed David while he said, I'll take you on the end of my spear like a weaver's needle. Longer than one of them middle tent poles. Brother Ben preaching under a tent. Take you to the end of this spear. Little old boy weighed about 110 pounds. Meeting a man full body weight is about 1,000 and the odds still was against Goliath. <laughs> you see, friends, it's just all the way you perceive it. It's the way we are looking at these things. This is how Satan steals so much of our victory. He knows how to present it. <sighs> kind of a scrawny, drawed in little old fellow. Maybe didn't get too much to eat. Back on the back side of the desert. So here he comes, kind of ready, so kind of cute little feller. Coming out through there. And he was an emotional sort of a guy because he'd be back there alone with God, get to playing his, his harp, and he'd go to shouting around. 
and he's just really all caught up. You know, like emotional people can be like that. He just gets all caught up, you know, just kind of hyper like. He just go to church and just couldn't sit still. All I can say is it's a good thing David wasn't here this morning because the deacon brothers had done escorted him out of here about 50 times. Can you imagine David sitting here with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Can you imagine David sitting here this morning saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus and forgiven? David would scream every service. He'd shout every service. He'd march around the walls of Jericho. There ain't even no Jericho. He'd say, Lord, have mercy. You mean you all got that living God living in you? You've got that in your soul? All I had was the law, but I loved him so much. Old Goliath was covered all over with steel, up and down like one little spot. And here he comes across to meet him, a little old bitty fella like that. Goliath standing there with a spear ready to pick him up and hang him on a tree somewhere. Here come little David, just a bouncing in the spirit. Didn't have to drag him in. All right, how many's happy to be here today? Calm down now, you're getting too wild. Calm down. Aren't you happy to be here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's everybody get in the spirit. Let's worship the Lord. I feel so sorry for our song leader sometimes. But you imagine, David, here he goes. He's bouncing, just bouncing. He ain't going to a carnival. He ain't going to dinner. He's fixing to meet a thousand pound giant. Glory to God. Sometimes I'll tell you, friends, I think when the devil lays a big trap and a big snare for us, we ought to just scare the liver out of him. Just take off running at him. And just say, boo, 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 boo. But instead, we just kind of hunker there. Oh, devil, devil, please, please. Be merciful, be merciful. Shame on us. Here come little David bouncing in the spirit. Notice that Brother Brown says this. <laughs> he got so blessed himself preaching this. What a holy roller. Of course, that's message folks ain't called holy rollers no more. We're called holy setters. Oh, Jesus, help me get out of this one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most of us, our response to the word anymore is this. We're nodders. I wonder what old Fritz would have done if Brother Branham, his dog, you remember him telling about his dog, how that he'd chased skunks. He said he hated a skunk. But Brother Branham would say, seek him, boy. Seek him. I wonder Brother Branham would have looked at Fritz and said, And Fritz looked back, is that all you've got for me? I'm going to get all messed up. I'm going to stink like a polecat, and that's all you've got? That's the way us preachers feel sometimes. You'd not believe the devils that we fight to bring you the word. You'd not believe the devils we fight when we get done with the word, and that's all you give us? Come on. 
Come on, give old Fritz a little more than a nod. <laughs> give old Fritz a little more than a silly grin. Is there anybody left that can say, hey, Amen, preacher? Preach it, Pastor Jason. Preach it, Brother Jason. Preach it, Brother Matt. Preach it. Go ahead, man of God. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's take this whole army. Brother Bram says, here come little David, a bounce in the spirit. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, what a holy roller. Victory already. Why, wow, he'd stepped into the anointing. He placed the name of the Lord God of Israel before him. I want you to listen to this, friends. All devils in hell. You see, David looked beyond some Bible Jason. It was more than just Goliath. He knew what he was doing. All the devils in hell. This is a man not even born again. This is a man not even filled with the Holy Ghost. What about those of you today that are born of the Spirit of God? When the prophet said the weakest Christian prays and it causes them devils to tremble. Don't you know why they don't want you to pray? Don't you know why they don't want you to believe who you are in Christ Jesus? They strip you and I. <sighs> All the devils in hell couldn't wait across that. Little David, just a sitting there with his finger up on his nose, nodding his head. Little David just a dancing in the spirit. Wow. Dancing before the giant's dead? Brother Don, the doctors give me a bad report. They told me I better get my funeral ready. Better tell Brother Jason what I want him to say. I'd take the other report. I'd start looking online for a trip to Cancun, maybe. <laughs> Don't make your plans to die. Make your plans to fight. Make your plans to live. But we take the doctor's report as the absolute. Right here is your absolute. The word of God. Notice the prophet said, what is it? He had five stones, five fingers wrapped. This little string around Jesus. Here he comes. Oh, brother, look out, Goliath. You got to fall. When he set that loose, the Holy Ghost got a hold to that little stone and picked up a speed of about a thousand miles per second. Boy, wouldn't Russia like to have that equation, how to figure that one out. Wouldn't the Air Force and the U.S. Army like to figure out how in the world, but they don't have access to Holy Ghost power, but you do. You do. Oh, glory to God. What, Brother Donnie, what rock am I going to use? The scriptures, quotes of the message of the hour. And it may be seem like so little when it leaves your mouth. The key is the Holy Ghost takes it and flies it out there at a thousand miles a second and slays that devil. So imagine, here he goes. Same thing as always done. David did not upgrade to a hypersonic sling. It's the same one he's always used with Jason. For his same one. He didn't need hypersonic, apparently, with the bear and the lion, but he did with this giant. He's got this 20-foot spear. So God says, I'll keep you safe, boy. So the Spirit of God, whew, 
Only one spot right here. Everywhere else was covered. And the Spirit of God, you imagine David, he was fearless. You imagine his reason. Think, now, is that a northwest wind? Or is that a southwest? Now, you brothers that shoot a bow, you know that you shoot that thing in at a certain thing. And you're at a tree stand, and you're 20 feet high. Oh, my, I had to climb 25 feet high, which means the angle that the, the, that the arrow will draw it is just a little bit different. And there's a west wind moving at about 12 miles an hour. Oh, my. Oh, I, I'll have to allow for it. David didn't have to allow. He just took and said, glory to God. Here it comes. Here it comes. Get ready for the shouting music because we're fixing to have a time. Oh, you imagine David's mind saying, no, wait a minute, David, wait a minute. Don't you better calculate this. What I'm calculating is my God is almighty. Oh, Brother Donnie, I'm calculating for the chemo. I'm calculating for this and that and the other. Let's calculate that our God is a mighty God. He ain't never been defeated. He ain't never lost a child. He ain't never lost a battle. And he ain't gonna start now because he's got some children that need deliverance. They need healing. They need peace. First Samuel 17, 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine. <sighs> oh, how I'm waiting for the day. Yep. When I can be able to send Brother Jason a WhatsApp or a text or an email, maybe all three of them, and say, Brother Jason, Erica is well. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm going to go ahead and say today, by his stripes, she is already healed. By his stripes, you are already healed. Before you ever see the victory, we can go ahead and rejoice and say, praise God. He is my healer. Don't you understand why sometimes God will let people go to doctors? You remember the miracle of Donnie Morton? Donnie Morton was a little guy that had this crippling disease and his daddy was really, really poor and he had to save his money to come and see Brother Branham and he finds him in this certain city and he meets Brother Branham out on the street and Brother Branham tells him, look, little brother, he said, now you won't believe it because you've had your little boy to all these different famous doctors but there's an old country doctor that'll perform a surgery on your boy. But Brother Branham, they say it's impossible. I know, it'll seem like it's impossible. But he said, he'll perform that surgery and your boy will walk again. Now, isn't it amazing? What if Brother Branham, if the Lord would have led Brother Branham to pray for him right there on the street and the miracle would have been performed? Ah, oh, but you see, Reader's Digest would have never published that. So God used his prophet and took the, de the devil's own sword, books, education, science. <laughs> the doctors have told Brother Ron Spencer, if and when you are healed, it will be the one of the most vindicated miracles that's ever been known in history because they've got all these scans. They've got all this proof. He shouldn't even be alive today. He shouldn't even be living. You see, sometimes God wants to take the devil's own sword and cut his own head off with it. Wow. 
Real faith is not scared to go back to the doctor and say, let the doctor tell you you're well. That's why you can look at a scan. Well, it was there, but this one says it ain't there no more. But your face looked at it when it said it was there and said it ain't there no more. Oh, glory to God, your body's just waiting, waiting to catch up with your face. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine. Oh, I love this. Just climb right up on them cigarettes. Take your foot and just squish it. Climb right up on that addiction and say, go to hell. Go back to hell where you come from. And dance right on that affliction. Dance right on that addiction. He drew out the sheath thereof and slew him. I thought he done killed him. <laughs> I'm sorry you had never noticed this before. <laughs> so the Bible says in verse 50, he slew him. Then it says in verse 51, he slew him again. I saw the way I like to do devils. You slew him and then you slew him and then you slew him and you slew him. <laughs> and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. What was it? God proving his word. Sister Janet, does he prove his word? When our sister had cancer years ago and the Lord wanted somebody that could testify that the Lord God could heal cancer. How many years have been healed by the Lord in his mercy? How many has come through great tests and trials and you thought you'd never make it and somehow the Lord God brought you through by his grace? What was it? You walked into that anointing, hallelujah, of the hour. And God anointed you for that trial. I can't be Brother Jason. Brother Jason can't be. We, we, we want to find our place and be. God's allocated so much of his word for each one of us. That's not only in fulfillment of the glorious, but dealing with those things which we really don't like to deal with. God wants a preacher that can be laughed at, ridiculed, and made fun of. How many preachers you see standing in line for that? Now, if God said, all right, I want a preacher that'll empty out the hospitals. Boy, most all the mess fit. Lord, let it be me. It's me, God. It's me. But God says, I want a preacher that can be ridiculed and run down and criticized and hated, rejected, talked about. You don't see my hand going up, do you? God knew that, so he pulled mine up. Because <laughs> he needs somebody to fulfill, Brother Jason, his word. Stand. <laughs> God needed somebody that he could prove that the lions couldn't eat him. So he got to Daniel. He needed three somebodies that he could prove his power was greater than a burning furnace. Wow. They wasn't even sure God would bring them out, were they? They said, we're not even sure if the Lord will do it or not. But this one thing we know, we will not bow to you. 
That's one thing we know for sure. You see, sometimes we enter into the battle like David where we already see it. This is done. This is finished. Other times we enter into the battle like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we say, Lord, I'm not sure how this is going to go. But this is one thing I do know. I ain't giving up on you. I ain't turning my back on you. God has all these examples written in the Word to show us that our life is so multi-layered. Our life as Christians, our victories are won in so many avenues. Why did God leave all these things in the Bible? For our admonition and for examples for us to see. There's times God reveals it to you when you're right here. All hell's going to be in front of you. You say, I ain't got a worry in the world. And there's other times God says, follow me. Stay with me. I'll lead you. He don't show you the end. But somehow you believe it's going to be good because you remember the scripture in the book of Jeremiah that said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And they are good and not evil. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'd speak to every son or daughter today, Lord. Maybe there's some here weary in the battle. They're not sure they can make it another day. Their strength seems to be subsiding by the hour. But Lord God, may the God of David, the God of Daniel, hallelujah, the great Lord God Adonai, may you come with strength. Many times, Father, we face things and we wasn't sure if we'd be able to make it or not. But somehow you and your grace reached down and brought us through. We thank you for the stories like David. We love them. We've all been serving you, most of us probably, long enough to know all of our battles don't come that way. There's times it's more like some of these other ones in the Scripture. 25 years of Abraham waiting on the promise of God. Waiting, waiting, waiting. But he walked under an anointing when he was 75 years old. When you said, I make my covenant with thee. You never even asked him if he wanted it. (laughs) You just told him, well, that's the way you've done us before the world began. Well, if we could catch a glimpse. The prophet said that our names are engraved in the palms of your hands. Hallelujah. And he said, when you spoke your word, Christ, the Logos, into existence, you spoke us into existence too. Because we are part of that original word. Oh, Jesus, would you pass this way today? Strengthen ever Deborah. Strengthen ever Lazarus' sisters. As they're seeing their brother and his body there deteriorating. And you showed up four days late. Strengthen ever Jarius when the little girl is dead. Strengthen every one of these people, Lord. May we be like the Syrophoenician woman. Whenever she come to you and you were so rude. Many of us, if you treated us that way, we'd turn away and never come back. The disciples even besought you. Send her away. In our modern terms, she is aggravating us. You told her, look, woman, I'm not even sent to you. Oh, my, we would have got our feelings hurt. We'd have never come back. We'd have found us another church. But she had a need. And her need was bigger than her feelings. I wish we could learn that today. Then you finally said, look, I'm not sent to your race of people. 
You're a bunch of dogs. We know, Lord, there's two words used there for the word dog. One means a big dog and one means a little dog. You use the word big dog. I'm not sent to you because you're a big dog. But she answered you back and said, that's right, Lord. I'm a little dog. The prophet of God said she had such face. Even you couldn't run her off. Lord God, many people in this message, they leave because the preacher runs them off or the deacon says something to their kids or this, that, and the other. Help us to have the kind of faith like this woman had. That if Jesus himself meets us in the way and said, out of my way, we say, you ain't leaving till you bless me. May we grab a hold of you because you're the same one that Jacob grabbed a hold of that day. I ain't letting go till you change me. I'm tired of being a deceiver. I'm tired of being a trickster. I'm tired of being half in and half out. I ain't letting go till you change me. Hallelujah. He walked in there fully capable on his strength to walk in. But he walked out a limping prince. Glory to God. And he called the name of that place Peniel. For there he said, I have met God face to face. No wonder this man later could make an altar and call the name of that altar El Elohi Israel. El Elohi Israel. How could a man be so emboldened to call an altar merged after his name with God's name? But after he met God, it gave him the right to worship the way he had never worshipped before. So he said, El, God, Elohi, God, God, the God of Israel. No longer just the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, but my God. We've preached for years that you was Brother Branham's God. You was Elijah's God. You were Moses' God. But I believe the folks that leave this world in the rapture aren't just going to preach you're the God of Moses or the God of Elijah. But they're going to say, he's my God. He's my healer. He's my resurrector. He's my body changer. He's my God too. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name, Father. We worship you, Lord. Would you lay hands on each other for just a moment? We're going to offer prayer. I don't want you praying for yourself now, but I want you to pray for that person standing by you. Hallelujah. Lord, we sense your anointing. We sense faith. Oh, glory to God. Father, maybe some of them have tried and tried and they can't lay aside this besetting sin or that, whatever it is. In the name of Jesus, may today be the place that they can drive down a stake. Maybe it's not so much a person in this assembly, somebody that will stream the service. Father, we come before you now in the name, the ineffable name, the name that's above all names. And it's not only your name, but it's our name. Hallelujah. For we have taken on your name. Mrs. Jesus Christ. Father God, would you come by this way with healing in your wings? Would you come by with deliverance, Lord? I pray for the ministry here, Lord. I pray for my brother, my dear friend, Brother Jason. Strengthen him, Lord. 
encourage him oh God I know as a pastor we can go through such things and sometimes it's so hard for you to talk to anybody about what you're going through strengthen the man of God every servant every helper that they've got here Lord strengthen the people Father not only these present but every man of God around the world they're sent forth to strengthen your little Davids and your little Deborahs and your little Marys and your little Marthas that they can rise your little Rahabs Hallelujah, your little Boaz, oh hallelujah, that was able to take such a wife. Father God, in the name of Jesus, may healing pass through this way today. I rebuke the contention of Satan that would try to divide this assembly. In the name of Jesus, Satan, we've got your number and you are a liar. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You will regret this day, Goliath. You will regret these meetings. You have attacked us from the first service on. You know why? You know your days are numbered, don't you? You're going to regret attacking us. You're going to regret attacking the daughters of God, the sons of God. We are more than conquerors. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you, saints. Everything I give to you, withholding nothing, withholding nothing, I surrender. That's the real key, friends. That's the real secret. Withholding nothing. I would invite you right now. Withholding nothing. I surrender. Right here today. I surrender, Lord. Every need you have is met right there.
today, Lord. It's not in running. It's in resting. It's not in wondering. It's in praying. That's where we find the strength of the Lord. Oh, we love you for that word today, Lord. I pray for every person in here, Lord, don't let even one leave without every need, every provision that you've given us and you've stacked it all up here and someone would leave still with a need. Don't let it be, Lord. Let every young person realize who's, they're, they're, they, they've made their quest to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's just incomplete surrender. 
Oh, may they just open their heart and say, Today, Lord, I give myself completely away. People with addictions and people with struggles, Lord, we want to see that giant put under our feet, oh God. My life is not my own. To you, we belong. We love you for that today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Hallelujah, you love him, friends. Oh my, what an atmosphere of the word. That's when you see the Holy Spirit come in behind the word. I just was so struck by the whole idea of just moving into a complete worship, even before you see the miracle. I mean, think about it. Think about it. How insulting that would be to God if you waited to thank him after the miracle. <laughs> what an insult. What a slap to his face when he's already promised you it's already done. It's already done already. Do you believe that? So I just say we thank him now. I'm just going to thank him now. Whatever is your need, whatever it is, you put it for him right now. Say, Lord, I'm calling. It's done. It's finished right now. He's a way maker. Do you accept that today? He's a way maker. Oh, I'm here to tell you something, friends. You know what? The Spirit of God is just burning me up. I want to say to this whole audience, whatever the devil, out of whatever barrel he's got you over, you hear me right now. God's going to use his own sword to kill him with. I don't know what that'll look like, but you just mark it down right now. God's going to use his own tyranny and turn it against him and lop his head off. Hallelujah. How many believe that today? Will you accept it for your life right now? Hallelujah. Brother Ken sung this song for us some while back, The Waymaker such a blessing to us. I want him to sing it now. Oh, I want you just to enter in with worship. How, how many would say, let's have a one more crescendo. Hallelujah. And just show the devil whose side we're on. All on the Lord's side. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. All on the Lord's side. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Sing my brother. Hallelujah. You are here, moving in our midst. Oh, wow. I worship you. Sing it, Brother Kenny. I worship you. You are here. You are here, working in this Raise up hands and sing it like a testimony. I worship you. Oh, do you believe the presence of the living God? I worship you. If you believe he's here, then he's worthy of our worship. You are here. You're here, Lord. Moving in our midst. Oh, you're I worship you. Hallelujah. I worship you. Hallelujah. You are here. Working if you still want prayers, if there's anybody here, you still need a deliverance. I don't miss your opportunity. You. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you the pillar of fire right on the platform. Come on, friends.
compared to what that'll be. Oh, for that hour, Lord. We go through this world and it's tyranny and it's darkness and the enemy relentlessly. But oh God, we look to you. You are our satisfaction. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. You are that perfect sacrifice. You are the one that could provide the atonement. The only one. You were the only one who could live the preceptive side of the word on our behalf because everything, it had to be precept upon precept. It had to be a perfect life and we were never capable of it. So you lived it on our behalf. You are our atonement. You are our complete satisfaction. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you today. I want to thank you, Lord God, with this people. Lift up gratitude to you, Master. We glorify your name. You'll go from this moment and every every prayer, every prayer that was prayed, we are putting it in the past tense and we're saying it's done, it's finished. Thank you, Lord, for it. We're putting it in the past and we're, we're speaking it. It's finished. Hallelujah. Christ has already accomplished it. Satan is already defeated. He can come and claim whatever he wants, but it's already too late. It's already, oh, I love saying that, Satan. It's already too late. You're already too late. There's no way you can reverse it. God has already pronounced the blessing upon it. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for this whole weekend. We thank you for all these people that have gathered. Oh, blessed be your name. Thank you for loaning us your servant. Lord, I pray you'll put strength back in him now, oh God, his family. 
be with them on the road home. They've got to jump right back into the life, right back into killing giants and fighting devils. And Oh, God. And we're going to continue it right, right from here, Lord. I pray you empower us and strengthen us with faith to believe every word. Let there be such an anointing here that will never see it die down, oh, God. We ask that you would come this weekend. And you did. A whole group of men gathered in this building on Thursday. And we asked you to come and bring fresh revival. And you've done it. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Father. May from this hour the enemy be completely defeated, Lord. Everyone who brought their need, may it be met right now. According to thy riches and glory. And that's quite a bit. Hallelujah. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You love the Lord? I love him with all my heart. Amen. I'm going to send you out of here on a song that I personally love. Brother Aaron sings it. I don't know if you got the warning. In the, what, okay. But I, as Brother Donnie was preaching this, there's a line in this. How does it go, Brother Aaron? David brought a rock to a sword fight. I mean, I mean, how insensible is that? You bring a, a rock to a sword fight and the man's got a 20-foot spear and a sword and all this armor and you're just a little believer. <laughs> but you got a hypersonic Holy Ghost that can catch that hold of that rock. I love that point. A lot of times we pray, we have to try to have faith and we say it doesn't feel like a whole lot. Don't worry, the Holy Spirit will grab it. <laughs> He'll take it right to the target. And, and, you know, whether he slayed him putting a missile deep in his brain or whether he slayed him by... I just say all of the above. Say, what is it going to take to put the devil out, down in my life? All of the above. It's going to take prayer. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to come to church. You're going to have to fellowship. You're going to have to have a testimony. You're going to have to confess. You say, what will defeat him? All of the above. And you'll just keep slaying him and slaying him and slaying him until one of these days, friends, as, as God said to the children of Israel, the enemy that you've seen today, you will see them no more forever. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus said, thou deaf and dumb spirit, come out of the child and do not enter into him again forever. Hallelujah. He said to a tree, no man eat from thee from this day forward. I believe we've got a word today that'll take you home in a rapture. Hallelujah. It's more than a match for the devil. Oh, hallelujah. I love this song. We're going to let you be dismissed and you can feel free to shake hands and go, but I want you to hear this song. This is a great song. Amen. But you can consider yourself dismissed in Jesus' name. Why you ever chose me been a mystery all my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite all the never get it right but it turns out it's the ones you were looking for all this time
Tree 